everybody, and welcome back to episode six. Uh, a delayed recording here. We said we would record every Sundays, but obviously our schedules didn't line up. <laughs> so we're recording this. Uh, today is is Wednesday. Sorry, I got winter break brain right now. Uh, yeah. So you'll be listening to this on Thursday. And Jack, uh, you just want to get us started with uh, the games you watched uh, over the period of time where we didn't record. Yeah, so um, let's start with the Bruins. And, of course, in everything making sense, we won every game since we've last recorded, except for the game against Arizona, because, you know, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and then I was watching a couple other games. I mean, Toronto's looked really good recently. They, yeah. They kind of started slow. I remember we were talking about that shootout. There were a couple shootout losses, overtime losses, but they've looked a lot better now. They're only three points behind us, the Bruins, in the Atlantic Division. Yeah. So yeah. That's kind of who I've been following. Yeah. Um, I feel like yeah, I definitely disrespected them last week because I forget we had them in a we had them in a pick 'em in one of the pick 'em games, and it was Toronto and who I forget who they were playing. It was I Dallas. Dallas, Dallas, yeah, and I said, I said, I don't think they're ready to play a high-scoring brand of hockey, and I think they put up like a four spot on them. I think it was like yep. four, nothing, four to one, and um, they also put up a seven spot against the uh, Ducks last night, and uh, the Ducks won regulation win in thirty games. That is, that is not good. Even like, I mean, the blame kind of has to go on. The, the team, but at some point you got to start blaming Trevor Zegers. I mean, you brought that guy in to kind of change that franchise, and I understand mm-hmm. there's a lot of weak links on that team, and it's he's not the sole reason. But one regulation, one regulation win in 30 games is is not is not what you hope for, especially if you're the Anaheim Ducks right now. And it's not what Connor Bedard hopes for. Looking at this team and going, I'm going to go there. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. I think Bedard could definitely he's a he's definitely a franchise changer, especially him and um Zegris and Milano and all of those guys, you know. The Ducks are young. Uh they still they they have a they have a future, I think. Um like we say that, but oh my god, they look abysmal right now. Um I also watched the Sabres and Kings game last night out of just morbid curiosity. There was really nothing going on. Um the Capitals played at nine o'clock last night against the Blackhawks. So it was just something to watch in between then. I watched the first two periods, zero to zero. I was like, oh my God, this game is so boring. And I shut it off. I t- switch it to the Caps game. I look at my phone like like <laughs> like 15 minutes later and the Sabres are winning six to nothing. I'm like, what, ha- what happened? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we'll definitely get into the the caps, uh, the caps game a little bit uh, later. But I did have that on on my list of small talk slash review. But we don't have to talk about right right that right now. Uh, obviously, uh, the Penguins, um, more of the same from the last uh, inter- uh last podcast. Haven't lost the game. Um, we played. A couple good games against Buffalo, not exactly what I was I was hoping for. I wasn't really exactly hoping for a overtime win against Buffalo, but you know you, you take what you take. Um, 
we're ten one and one since the uh, we're ten one and one over our last uh, twelve, which is pretty good. Uh, we beat the Kings, we beat uh, the Jets, two really good teams. And when we played the Stars, I thought that that was going to be a, another true test to see um, how we are, especially now since Jeff Petrie's out long term. Uh, really good defensive pickup from us this off season. Didn't really look like it from the start of the season, but he's definitely turned it around. Uh, Jan Ruda, POJ have also definitely picked up the slack since he's been out. And it was our true, like, taste of adversity that game because um, the Stars scored 19 seconds in and we didn't let them score again for the rest of the game and we won to 2-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's the make of a good team. When you get behind and then you say, okay, we're behind, but you don't panic. You just do what yeah. you need to do. You play well defensively, but you still get offense going and score. Yeah, and it was, that's, it was that, impressive that, to see. Yeah, that's something I feel like Boston's done really well, playing from behind. Mm-hmm. And the other incredible Boston stat is we are the only team who hasn't blown a lead yet. Every time <laughs> we've scored first, we've won. Yeah, but... Uh, you did lose to the Coyotes recently, and that's, we that's pretty did lose to the Coyotes. That wasn't great. The Coyotes did score first. The Coyotes scored within a minute in that game. Yeah, and that was at Mullet Arena, was it not? It was the first game at Mullet Arena with the locker room completed because completing things on time just yeah. doesn't happen, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And do you want to get into that rant? Do you want to get into the icing rant now? Okay, so let me. Here's what I'm going to start by saying, and I say this pretty much before I complain about every loss. Mm-hmm. The icing does not excuse the loss. Okay. It was. I I believe it was a bad call. I believe it should have gone the other way. Maybe it gets us a point, but the icing does not excuse playing so bad against the Arizona Coyotes that you lose. Yeah. With that being said, for anyone who didn't watch the game, Arizona. Sends the puck the length of the ice. It goes through just a little section of the crease and is called off. That rule, the rule that icing is called off because it goes in the crease was eliminated from the NHL rule book 20 years ago. It is no longer a rule. The only rule is that it cannot hit the goal. Actually, I'm pretty sure it can even hit the post, but it can't go in the goal and it can't hit any player, which in that situation, it didn't. It came completely across the goal line. Derek Forbert for Boston touches it. Icing's waved off for some reason. And then Derek Forbert botches a, back, a pass out. And then the Coyotes intercept it and score quickly with 14 seconds to go. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> like the yeah. ref was right there, saw it, waved it off. And it's like, have you read the rule book recently? But yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely, like, less frustrated than I expected you to be about it. Uh, I think, I think you know, you're saying it's not, but I think it's a it's a great cop-out for Boston fans because de- def- they definitely used it after that game. They definitely yes. used We lost because of the icing call. Uh, like, you, you already mentioned it. Uh, I have it written down. You should have never been in a close game with the Coyotes in the first place. Yeah. Um, I think... I think what it truly is, is a beautiful example of playing until the whistle. You play to the whistle. Yeah, you do. Clearly did not play to the whistle at all. Uh, You can see the puck is going slowly towards the red line behind the net. And Forbert slows down, expecting an icing call. 
He misses the ref waving it off. Surprised by the ref not waving it off. And I don't know. It's just... I don't... Like, the ref waves it off, but he didn't have... Like, he didn't have, like, to rush anything. And he just kind of makes a weird passing decision. And Coyotes get the puck, and they, they bury it. Yeah. I also don't know why in that situation... Jeremy Swayman, who was in goal that night, decides not to just play the puck out and kill off the last ten seconds yeah. of the game and go to overtime. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you watch, if you watch the video, you see the puck go through the crease and you see the ref wave it off as soon as the puck goes through the crease. And I think the the ref, the ref, you said the the goes through the crease role was eliminated twenty years. Uh, I think I think the ref has two things to go back on. Jeremy Swayman could have easily played that puck. I know he doesn't he doesn't have to play the puck, mm-hmm. but that's one reason why the icing could have been called off. Because I don't understand. I don't understand because it goes in the crease and Swayman has his stick right there. He could easily have just batted it and done that. And another thing that happens is Forbert slows down like like. As soon as he enters the blue line, he slows down because he thinks yeah. he's going to get the icing call. And he could have played. He could have played. He could have kept going for the puck and could have eliminated mm. icing. And I guess that's another reason. But again, by the letter of the law, it's it's, it's iffy. I wouldn't say like, oh, that's totally an icing. And it's not like, it's not like an icing call hasn't been missed before. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a unique to the Bruins situation. This happens yeah. all the time, and nine times out of ten, it doesn't lead to a game-winning goal. Mm-hmm. But Bruins fans will be Bruins fans and will complain about it. Correct. You guys will complain that the league is against you and that yep. you were jobbed and that mm-hmm. it's because you're Boston and all that fun stuff. And that Jack Edwards is the best voice in the league and all that. Uh, He's not. <laughs> Jack Edwards is very bad. He's a very bad announcer. Yeah. Even, I think, even for local announcers, he's bad. Yeah. Even taking out the stupid shit he says sometimes, he's bad. He's bad at calling the game. He's just like he's just like such a homer. And like I'd I've watched home broadcasts and I haven't seen like anyone who's as much as a homer as he is. And even like down here, like the NBC Sports Washington crew. Uh, Joe Beninati and Craig Lockler, they they're they're great. They're a great announcing crew, and they don't have like an extremely home bias that I think Edwards has. And the Penguins mm. announcers are kind of mid, but they don't have like an extreme home yeah. bias that uh, Edwards does. Yeah. Um. Last night he so the Bruins Islanders game started with three tipped in goals. The Bruins mm. were leading two one, and then he called the game schizophrenic. And it's like, why would you say that? Like, someone's getting that mad. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not even saying it's wrong to say that. I'm saying, why would you open yourself up to somebody getting mad at you for saying that? There's just no Uh, reason. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's, you're get, you get to that age. uh, Most broadcasters, you know, they're getting to, they get to that age where like, you're really old and the game's getting, the game's getting a little too fast. You're behind the play. And stuff like that, and then obviously they just they just lose some of that filter. They lose some of yeah, like the modern in, like they like they're not like catching up with like the times. Like I don't feel that way about Doc Emmerich. I I never felt that Doc Emmerich was 
was he was behind the play during the playoffs. His last year, his last year announcing during the the COVID during the COVID bubble, yeah. he was definitely way behind most. But he was the also game. calling I, the games from home, so yeah. But I never felt like I never felt like oh, Doc said something stupid. He should never. He shouldn't have said that. Like I yeah. didn't feel like he was ever that kind of an announcer. Especially no, Mike Milbury was that kind of an announcer. Yeah, Mike Milbury is an idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just and like well, one of those, like yeah. it's just like that old curmudgeon, like I used to play hockey type announcer, and I'm just like mm-hmm. and it was he was really old. Yeah. The less that's said about him, the better I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So recently, Chris Letang, after his recent medical issue, returned to the lineup just 10 days after he was initially scratched. Right. So, Mr. Penguins fan. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't think he should. I didn't think he was going to be back. They said he was going to be out. So, they said he had a stroke. I already knew that it was his his second stroke because he had one uh, 20. It's got to be like 2013, 2014, I believe. That's when he had his first stroke. He's got a medical condition. He's got like a hole in his heart or something. And they were like, he's got a stroke, and Sullivan was like, he's going to be out long term. So I'm here thinking long term is probably two to three months, um, max. And then we're getting, I think, oh my, it must have been like two or three days after the stroke. I was just on my Twitter feed, just reading some of the beat reporter stuff. They're like, he's skating. He's in a non-contact jersey, but he's skating. I was like, uh, that doesn't seem like that safe but i guess if you're like consulting with the medical staff it's it's fine i guess and then i was like okay he'll probably have like a month of that and he'll just be skating non-contact and then three or four days later they're like he's skating with a he's skating with a contact jersey on i'm like okay this doesn't seem like a great decision that he's making right now, especially because a lot of people are like, this is your second stroke. You should probably consider retiring. And I, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be okay. Now he's, now he's in a contact jersey. Maybe he does this for a month and a half or so when he comes back, maybe it's just like the timeline is, is just being really ramped up. And then I'm at work and I'm looking at the lineup cards like five days after that. And it's like, let's hang his back 10 days after the stroke, just a random announcement 20 minutes before puck drop. And I said, what the actual fuck? I was like, how is he already back? I said, okay, he's back. He definitely consulted with the medical staff and I'm just, I'm still like grappling with the fact that like he's back. I don't think he should be back. I was like, okay, he's on the second D-line pairing, so he's not going to be getting that many minutes. He gets 22 minutes. He gets 22 <laughs> minutes of ice time his first game back. You give him his regular workload on his first game back from the stroke? That is insane. And he played well, and we got the win. And I don't know. I mean, it's too early to tell, like, how I should feel about this because, he, yes, he is back. But I don't know how this is going to affect – his long-term health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't previously remember any players other than Chris Letang having a stroke and then coming back in yeah. 
two weeks. Yeah. I feel like there have been coaches who have had strokes and taken longer than two weeks to come back. But I mean, if he's consulted with the medical staff and he thinks he's ready and his doctors think he's ready, then I mean, I don't really see an issue with it. Yeah. And I think I was just like more surprised was I remember he was out like he was out. He was out for at least like half the season when he had his first stroke. So I just Mm -hmm. think it's it's just. It's crazy, especially now considering how old he is to have, like, two strokes. It's just – I don't know. I don't truly know how to feel until we see the long-term effects of this. I mean, if it's – obviously, you consulted with the medical professionals, like I said earlier, but it just just doesn't seem like a smart play to be getting – to be coming back just 10 days removed from the stroke. That doesn't seem like something Mm -hmm. that's – really smart yeah and like i don't again i still don't want to judge it from the outside if he's sort of had the medical professionals look at it yeah yeah but it's still to me at least from the outside in doesn't look super good yeah 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 but again only only time will tell and who knows? Maybe we'll know sooner rather than later how this yeah. affects him. Mm-hmm. Well, last night in the United Center in Chicago, Alex Ovechkin notched a hat trick to reach his 800 goal mark. Right now, he sits one goal behind Gordie Howe and 94 behind Wayne Gretzky. So I'm just looking at the schedule. Tomorrow night, he plays Dallas. Is that when he gets it? Do you think he hits Howe tomorrow, tomorrow night against Dallas? I, I don't see how, especially after watching what I watched last night, he doesn't hit how in, in the next game because the Capitals are just sending him out there every every second, it felt like. It felt like he was out on the ice after every, like, minute and a half he was he was mm-hmm. out there. And, and especially with that, the third goal to get his hat trick, it just seems like they're, like, specifically just, like, dishing it to him because Mantha gets the puck. Mantha gets the puck, and I think it's Mrazek who was in net last night. Gets It's just way out of position, and Mantha has a wide-open net, and Mantha could have just buried that shit so easily, and he just, like, flips it to Ovechkin, and Ovechkin seems, like, almost surprised that he got it, but, like, he's also, like, savoring the moment, because he could have just easily just tapped that into the net. He pulls back, and he snipes it. He, like, <sighs> roofs it, and the every, everyone comes out and celebrates with him. He hits he hits 800, and it was, you know, as some guy who is a not a Capitals fan, I can really see how this is, this is great for hockey, and Ovechkin's such a, Ovechkin's such a likable person. Like, ah, yeah. Ovechkin hasn't done anything that I'm just like, I, I hate you for it. Especially since, like, I can see how Cavs fans hate Crosby, and I think I've definitely talked about this before because Crosby historically dominates the Capitals. But I don't feel that same disdain towards Ovechkin mm-hmm. that some Capitals fans towards uh, feel towards Crosby. Yeah, the one thing people don't really like about Ovechkin is how I'm pretty sure his Instagram profile picture is still him with Vladimir Putin. Yeah, he is he <laughs> is pro, he is pro Putin, which is not great, but it's it's also I can't. I can't say, like, I can't be like, oh, I hate Ovechkin, Ovechkin's bad, Ovechkin's this, because then I, then I, I, I have to do the same thing with Malkin, because Malkin has done so many little propaganda things with, with Putin, so you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. 
yeah level out level out on both sides but i think you know uh, the only issue that i have the only issue that i have is like espn you know they were marketing it really heavily this game against uh, the capital well they were marketing it on espn's channel not really anywhere else but yeah, they were marketing it Chicago, yeah. as, as the chase for 800 on espn and like I feel like the record that Ovi is chasing, this is this is once in a lifetime, and it's still not getting the recognition that, that it deserves. Like, I mm. feel like this should definitely be more of, like, a bigger thing than what it's people are, like, making it out to be. Like, I remember I tweeted this out uh, last night, but, like, could you imagine if ESPN gave the same amount of coverage to OV chasing the record like they did with Aaron Judge chasing the home run record? That wasn't even, that wasn't even, like, a league, like, record. That wasn't even, like, some sort of, like, major staple record. He was chasing, like, the fourth like the fourth best home runs in his in his in the AL. Like he, it wasn't a lead. It was the best in the AL. AL yeah, it was like an AL record. I was like, what? Like, like what are we doing? Like, cool, he's doing that. But don't cut, don't cut to his at bats when I'm watching a college football game. Could you imagine mm. if? Could you imagine that? Like, if every shift Alex Ovechkin was out there, the freaking people would like, like people would cut away from whatever game you were watching, whatever event you were watching, they'd cut away and they'd show Ovechkin shift. People would be apoplectic. People would get so pissed. People would be like, I don't want to see every Ovechkin shift. And they did the same thing with, with judge. But I feel like, you know, hockey is such like a sport. That's like a lot of people don't like to watch, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they'd definitely be a little more frustrated if that was the thing, but I think they should do that, especially if Ovechkin gets, closer and closer to Gretzky. And I think barring any sort of like horrendous career ending injury or any like major slump where he doesn't score in like 90 games. Like I, I don't see how he doesn't break this shit in like a season and a half. Yeah. But I mean, or you could just do it the way they should have done judges where if he hits a home run, then you show it at like the next commercial break. Yeah. But it's, it, I but, do get it. Like it's something that like, it's something that I'd want to see live. Yeah, I didn't, see, I didn't see Judge's home run live, and I'm not pissed that I missed that because that wasn't like a that wasn't like a historical thing or anything. But if Ovechkin's at like 893, 890, 892, I would like to see a little like let's cut to an Ovechkin shift and see if he scores on this one because mm -hmm. that's something that I'd like to see yeah. live. That's not something I'd like to see after fa after the fact, and that's one of the reasons why I watched the Caps game last night because I knew he was going to 800. I didn't think he was going to get a hat trick. I thought he was going to score at least once, but it's, it's just something that I'd like to see live. Yeah. If he gets to, if he gets close to there, I'll, me and you will probably just watch the caps games until he gets it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, as far as like Ted Leonis, who's the owner of the capitals, he said that like, no matter what happens this season, he's not blowing it up. So he's keeping this, he's keeping this team together for, Ovechkin to reach that to reach that milestone because Ovechkin likes his line mates he likes this team mm -hmm. you know regardless because I don't they're right now the Caps are a, a fringe playoff team I think I mean the Metro's the Metro's kind of stacked right now they're kind of yep. on the outside looking in they're, de they're they've definitely rebounded you know they've had some good wins against Winnipeg their win last night was really good 
despite it being the Blackhawks, uh, obviously. And then another issue that I do want to talk about is this is like the first ESPN like broadcast I've watched since uh, the season opener. If I'm being 100% honest, the rest of the games that I've watched, like I watch on ESPN Plus, but ESPN Pluses are like the local feeds of the game. They're not like the actual. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I was wrong about the board ads. The board ads were so annoying last night. Like players <laughs> were like disappearing in them. And I was like, I was like, okay, I thought these were a non issue. But after watching it last night, I was like, yeah. oh. Did you hear what Gary Bettman uh, said? Yeah, he said that um, the boards made it more watchable. He said it's a non-issue, and then yeah, and then he said like, oh, polls indicate that that it makes it more watchable, which is like it's fucking bullshit, bro. That's that's <laughs> such that's such bullshit that the game like you can say that it's a non-issue. I'm not extremely mad by you saying it's a non-issue because I didn't feel like it was that bad until last night. But I can see where some people are coming from where they say it's really bad. I mean, I'm not yeah. watching every game on ESPN. The Penguins have digital board ads. I don't know if, if the Boston feed has digital board ads. The but the Boston Penguins feed do. does. It's a, yeah, league, it's Peng- a league thing, so everybody has them. Yeah, and I haven't seen like any sort of like weird little issues at the at the Penguins games. Uh, I have. I guess I haven't been paying that much of attention because last night they were really bad. But it's just. Like, dude, like, don't say that polls and studies are showing that it makes it more watchable. Because first off, that sounds like a load of horseshit. And then it sounds like even more horseshit when you say that and you don't have polls or studies to back it up. It's like, uh, 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 I have it, but I'm not going to show you. That's what it sounds like. You sound like the guy who says, I have a girlfriend, but she goes to a different school. That's what you sound like. Yeah. That's what, like, that's, that's what you sound like when you say that. And I don't know, but I, I don't know. But last night it was. I mean, ESP, that whole, I mean, the broadcast last night was a shit show. I don't know why you decide to have Ryan Callahan, PK Subban, I don't even remember who the third guy was, in the intermission booth. And you're like, you know who the fans really want to see? Our boring-ass intermission crew that we normally have. Steve Levy, Mark Chelios, Steve Levy, Chelios, and Mark Messier are calling the game. And, oh, my God. It was so, so unbearable. It was so bad. I was like, these guys have no chemistry. You know, they have as Messi and Chelios have as much charisma as a block of wood. So it's like really annoying hearing them announce. Like they don't. I. It, it seems like they like. It seems manufactured. It seems like. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of good announcing crews. Like you're like these people actually like each other. Like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I'm like these two are actually friends. Like I, I like if you told me these two are friends, they're really good friends, they're close friends. I'd be like, yeah, I believe that. And then Tony Romo and Jim Nance, I was like, if you told me those people are really close friends, I'd believe it. Messier, Chelios, and Levy just—it's just a weird mishmash of, mm-hmm. of people, and it just doesn't work. And then they open the game by saying the United Center is the house that Chris Chelios built, as if the Chicago Bulls don't exist. It's uh, uh, <laughs> United Center, the house that Chris Chelios built. Oh my God! Yeah, I didn't even hear that. I I turned down the broadcast after after a little bit, put in my AirPods, uh, listened to music, and do, did some other things. But it's just it's just upsetting, and it's upsetting because you know everyone was so hyped about ESPN getting its deal back because ESPN used to be like that big thing in the early two thousands, as far as you know, the NHL went and. They've just absolutely, I felt like they've kind of sold the bag. Like they haven't like, 
been as as good, especially they haven't been as good as the TNT the TNT broadcast. The TNT broadcast is 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 miles better because mm-hmm. ESPN just went for the same boring cookie cutter type stuff that they do with all their other programming, and TNT is just like inside the NBA works. Let's do that with with NHL players, and I'm surprised that they made it work. I'm surprised that they yeah. made inside the NBA work with uh, NHL. Well, I feel like what TNT did was they just took everybody from NBC, put Paul Bizanet in, and then said go, and then it just worked. Yeah, I mean, I do like. I mean, I, yeah, it's another thing that that TNT had. Like, you're right; they have like all the people that I like from NBC. They have um, they have McHugh. I like McHugh. They have Bizanet. I like Bizanet. They have. Uh, who else do they? Who else do they have on that panel? They have Gretzky, and I think Gretzky is like relatively good. Like I didn't expect yeah. him to be like I, I didn't expect him to be good, and he's pretty good. And then the, oh my god, who's the um Anson Carter? Yeah, Anson Carter. I do. I, I like Anson Carter a lot too. Yeah. The and it's just it's just so funny. Like Bizonette like meshes with them so well, and like they're they they're all they're just so funny. Like they I don't know how it I don't know how it works. Like McHugh like McHugh I feel like just him and Bizonet just get along real well. And then yeah. the interviews, like the post-game interviews with Bizonet being there are all so good. Like I remember watching uh, the Penguins played the Caps and that was on TNT. And then Bizonet asked if like the Halloween party, like helped the Penguins get back on their groove and like what Crosby's drink of choice was. And I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Crosby's like yeah. water. He said vodka soda, I think. Oh, that's what he said. Surprised. Yeah. All right. Well. Oh, one thing. One thing. One thing before we move on. ESPN broadcast. They. This whole thing is Ovechkin's chase. Ovechkin's chase, and they miss his first goal. They miss it. They missed it. I mean, they did. They didn't miss it. They didn't miss it. They did that. They did that thing where they blow up one like they blow up like an advertisement. On, on, like, the side, and, like, the game is still going. I don't remember what it was. I wish for the life of me I could remember what it was they had on the side. But they put they put the score – they put the game in, like, this small box without audio. And Ovechkin scores. I'm like, ew. Was it, was it one of those things the Capitals do where they, like, score right off a face-off? No, it was – it was – it was there was in the offensive zone and Ovechkin did score early. He scored his first goal like early. It was like a minute something in. Yeah. But like it was like a rebound and Ovechkin like it was like most of Ovechkin's goals most of Ovechkin's goals last night were like right place, right time. He's that's why he has he's a great goal scorer as he has that knack of knack for being in the right place. And especially now, like I feel like Ovechkin is like definitely like a little bit cooked. I feel like he's like really old, but like, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's not creating those. He's not creating those like highlight real goals anymore that he was in like his early days. And which is, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a yeah. bad thing because he still has this uncanny ability of being able to score, especially on the power play. Like everyone knows where it's going. Everyone knows what's happening. And you still can't stop it. Like that's an ultimate like boss move. Like, yeah. you know, I'm where, you know, where I am, you know, what's happening on this power play. You know, that's coming to me and you can't stop it. And I mm-hmm. think that's just like, that's just an ultimate fucking power play. That's an ultimate power yeah. play. Right. Well, in the game picks, we both went two and three. So I, you didn't gain any ground, but you didn't lose anything. 
Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So um, we start with an original six matchup. Ta- Toronto. I don't know why I said Tottenham, but Toronto Tottenham and the Rangers. Hunters. Yes. Toronto and the New York Rangers in MSG. Toronto's yeah. been flaming hot. Yeah. But the yeah, Rangers I have mean, been playing better as well. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers have definitely, they've definitely, I still think they're bad, but they're definitely playing a little bit better. I think I think Gallant may be on the hot seat. That's That might be a hot take, but I think Gallant may be on the hot seat. Uh I feel like we ran this topic into the ground last podcast, but the Rangers just don't look good. And since uh, last episode, they kind of rebounded, like you said, and I disrespected the Maple Leafs last episode by saying they couldn't play a high scoring brand of hockey. And then they put up a seven spot against the Ducks. They put up four against um, the Dallas Stars when I said they couldn't play the high scoring brand. So I'm going to, Go with Toronto, but if Toronto loses, I'll never pick Toronto again. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, Toronto has 19 points in their last 10 games. They're 9 0 and 1. I really don't see that stopping against the Rangers. So I'm going to go with Toronto as well. Friday night, we have the Leah Hextall special of the week. Chicago. She's announcing Minnesota. that game? Yes. So, which oh. means you will not be watching it. And it's oh. Chicago. Chicago and Minnesota, Central Division matchup. They should make Emily Kaplan be a play-by-play announcer. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that. I know she's a sideline reporter, but it'd be cool to see her be an um, announcer. You be know what my dad said last night? He said he doesn't think there's a single female PA announcer, like a PA, like like a dress announcer in like an arena. And I thought that was just like an interesting, like like t- like an interesting like topic to bring up like there is no female PA announcer and I think that's crazy I think that is crazy yeah well Chicago and Minnesota on Friday Chicago well the Wild are are back they're looking they're looking pretty good I think uh the Blackhawks uh you know they just got a a seven spot put up on them against (laughs) by the by the aging capitals so I'll take Minnesota in this one, despite you know goaltending was that they're that they're still haven't exactly yeah. managed to fix. Yeah, Chicago's lost their last three. Minnesota had a good win on Monday against Edmonton. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. think Minnesota's the better team overall. And now we're and now we got another Toronto game. This time they're in Washington against those aging Caps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so if by some uh, craziness, uh, Washington hasn't gotten Ovechkin past our scoring record by then, I can see a way where the Caps win. But mm-hmm. again, like I said, I, I feel like Washington, like I, again, it's something that I said last episode and I might have mentioned it, but I feel like Washington right now is just a vehicle for Ovechkin to break the record. And if the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs play Samsonov, I don't know, is Samsonov still hurt? I'm not sure. But, you know, if they play Samsonov, Samsonov knows the Caps. I feel like the Capitals in Toronto have met once before this season, and I don't remember who who won that one, but I want to say it was, like, the Capitals by, like, a slim margin. I'll do some mid-episode research here. Yeah, let me look. Let me look. Let me look. 
the three oh, two no, Toronto. Yeah, it was the Maple Leafs by a slim margin. I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't like a big thing, but that was like back when the Maple Leafs were kind of on the like a mid playing field. So uh, I'm yeah. gonna take Toronto in this one. So that's two Toronto picks already. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't see Ovechkin scoring two on Thursday, but that's just me. And I think okay. if Ovechkin doesn't score two on Thursday, then he's guaranteed to score at least one against Toronto. Yeah. I think that if they play Samsonov, it's more advantage caps than it is advantage. I always think it's more advantage offense than it is advantage goaltender to yeah. know the matchup. So for yeah. that, for those reasons, I'm going with Washington in this game. And, and I just think Washington's a good team. Yeah, I mean, I – Personally, right now, don't think that Washington's a great team. But mm-hmm. like I said, I would find it completely – I wouldn't find it surprising, Novetskin, not to get two goals in Thursday night's game. Especially, and it's it's something that I wouldn't find surprising. But like uh, Ovechkin, I, I definitely do see him scoring two goals in the next game, especially because he scored a hat trick. In the last game, especially like last night, if you ever wanted to put like a, oh, hockey's fixed, hockey's rigged, like Ovechkin scoring a hat trick last night seemed like, pretty, yeah. like <laughs> it seemed like if you ever wanted when, to put like, you know, like a rigged, like NHL's rigged, like Ovechkin scoring a hat trick last night could have been like your perfect, like, yes, it is. Yeah. It's rigged. Look at this. Especially given that ESPN doesn't have another game until January. Yeah. With the Capitals. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so. Saturday night in Le Centre Bell, and I will never try to be French again. Tampa visits Montreal. Centre Bell. Tampa visits Montreal. Tampa's won five out of the last six, but but Montreal's at 14, 12, and two hasn't been having a bad year either. They've been doing a lot better than I've expected. Mm hmm. And I'm going to take what most likely will be another favorite. I feel like I'm taking all the freaking favorites in in these matchups. Um, but let, let's just face the fact: like Montreal is like they're fine, they're okay. But Tampa Bay is is Tampa, very good. Uh, they scored they've scored four more goals in their last four games, including six goals against the Kraken last night. And the Kraken have looked relatively decent. I I would say they're in like a Montreal type tier right now. Um, I don't think. I don't think Tampa has any trouble against Montreal. I think I think they get the win. Yeah. The one thing I'm going to say is Cole Caulfield has scored three goals in his last four. Okay. And I think if he can keep up that performance, Montreal doesn't have another game until this game on – actually, no, they play tonight. They play Ottawa tonight. Okay. But I think if – I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and take the Habs. I think that – if Caulfield can maintain this performance. Suzuki's also been playing well. Allen's been doing better in goal for Montreal than I expected going into the year. Mm-hmm. So for all those reasons, I think Montreal can steal one at home. And then late Saturday night, an all-Canada matchup. The, I believe they're, they're second in the Central. The second in the Central, Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg is very Who good. Right nobody now. expected to be good this year. Go to Vancouver. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I don't think I know nobody expected them to be good, but like Winnipeg, like Winnipeg, all you really need is what's happening. All you really need is just Hellebuck to stand on his head, and then you yeah. just 
you just kind of just hope your 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 uh your offense gets at it. Uh, so Vancouver again, another horrible team. Uh, I didn't think they were gonna again another team that nobody predicted would be this bad. Like we didn't think they were gonna be like some people have them as like dark horse playoff contenders, but they're 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 very bad right now. Boudreaux is definitely in the hot seat for a reason, and like I said, Hellebuck is an absolute god. Mark Sh- Mike Sh- Mark Shifley having himself a little bit of a resurgence right now. Scored a hat trick last night. Uh, overlooked because there was bigger things happening in the NHL last night. Let's be honest, but uh. I think I think Winnipeg takes this one in a in a somewhat close game because that's kind of like that's kind of like what Winnipeg has been playing right now, just like close games. Having hoping Alabot can save like 30, 40 shots a night. Yeah. Um, here's the stat that I think is very concerning for Tampa. Their starting goaltender, Spencer Martin, eight ninety one save eight ninety one save percentage this year. That is mm-hmm. not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Here, Luke Dubois probably gets two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this game to Winnipeg as well. Um, one more yeah. thing that we didn't touch upon um, in this podcast, Mitch Marner's 23 game point streak. Yeah. It exists. It exists. <laughs> I don't really have I mean, anything to say on it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't even know that was, I didn't even know it was happening until you brought that up. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Longest Mitch Marner is Mitch Marner. So, that's not surprising for Mitch Marner that Mitch Marner doing Mitch Marner yeah. things. That's why it'll get why yeah. big bucks. It, it's Toronto, so it'll get right until it's like an important record to break, <laughs> and then he'll lose it that game. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what's gonna happen. And that's then Sheldon Keefe will said right. Yeah, yeah, or or Sheldon Keefe will scratch him, and it could end. <laughs> That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy yeah. if that yeah. happens. Well, um. Guys, it was a little bit of an, uh, an abbreviated episode. Uh, we hope to get you know everything back on track this week because now it is officially the start of winter break. There was yep. some travel issues with me. Uh, I had a final today, uh, like my last final online. I'm home. Uh, Jack Jack's home, so that's, the only thing stopping in the us. world, Massachusetts. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <sighs> So, um, the, the only thing stopping us right now is basically what, uh, our parents, our parents like want to do family stuff, yep. obviously. So we're going to try to record, uh, this Sunday and, uh, Jack, do you have anything you want to add? Um, I think I've said everything I want to do. I saw, oh, I saw a tweet that the Bruins are not just a wagon. They're a wagon when you play the Oregon Trail and just buy 18 oxen and a shotgun and say, let's roll. <laughs> Thought I'd share that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, this is the sixth episode. Uh, goodbye. Bye.